What is the fire movement? And why do you need a goal setting feedback loop? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Well, that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is the Dark Horse Entrepreneur. My name is Tracy Brinkman. What is up? What is up? What the hell is up, my Dark Horse friends and family? Welcome back to your weekly dose of uncomfortable learning. I'm your Dark Horse host, Tracy Brinkman, and you, well, that, my friend, is infinitely more important. You are you're a driven entrepreneur or one in the making. Either way, you're here because you're ready to start, restart, kickstart, just start leveling up with some great marketing, personal or business tips and results in order to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. Man, and do we have a big episode for you today. Today, Jason Milan is going to be sharing on why working hard alone ain't going to cut it. He's going to be asking us, you have two lives, don't you? Uh-huh. He's going to remind us that anything we can perceive, we can achieve. He tells us to get comfortable being uncomfortable in order to escape the cubicle matrix. Talks about the fire movement and goal setting as well as that all too important feedback loop for goal achieving. Plus, I'm going to let you in on next week's interview episode guess who? is a master level psychic. Oh man, as per usual, the Dark Horse Corrals are chock full of personal business and marketing G-O-L-D spilling from every corner of the Dark Horse Entrepreneur HQ. So let's get to the starting gates and go. All right, my Dark Horse friends and family, today's guest is Jackson Milan. Now Jackson is a wealth mentor. Wait, wait, wait. Don't push the fast forward button yet. He has spent 14 years helping service businesses understand the language of money and manufacture financial freedom for themselves and their families. He has successfully helped over 1,000 clients build an excess of, wait for it, 1.4 billion, that's with a B everyone, in combined wealth and has scaled multiple seven-figure businesses. He's a master of helping business owners make money work for them and turn their business profits into personal wealth. Jackson works on personal, or excuse me, profitable service businesses, removing cash flow bottlenecks, and financial freedom for business owners. And all these things have been featured in Money Magazine, uh, The Today Show, ABC, The Financial Review, and I'm sure there's many others out there. And he'll, maybe he'll share those with us. And He's an international best-selling author of three books, has spoken internationally to thousands. And today, we're lucky enough to have him live and in living color as he travels around uh, Australia right now, isn't it, Jackson? That's right. I'm in a, uh, a little town called Toowoomba, which is uh, near a place called Brisbane. And uh, we're on a little farm stay at the moment. There's animals running around. Uh, we got woken up to guinea fowls uh, carrying on this morning. So uh, nice. we're living the dream, mate. That's nice. That's awesome. I'm, I'm up here in southeast Wisconsin. While I don't have a farm, there's one just just a little nick away and we'll catch the roosters and the cows. I, I love I love being I love out away from the city, right? That's what it's all about, mate. I think uh, life's too short. We've got to enjoy the, uh, the the finer things and the experience of what the world has to offer. It's all it's all good to grind away at your business and make some money, but if you don't go out there and enjoy life a little bit, I think you're 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 cashing yourself short. I agree, one hundred percent. 
All right. So what I want to do is I want to shut up a minute and I want you to tell your story, the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups, the downs, rights, lefts, whatever, however much of it you want to share or if you want, we have time, right? Uh, but yep. uh, just, and, and, and then of course, why it is you love doing what you do so much. I'd love to share. Okay. I love your format, uh, Tracy, because this whole idea of being a dark horse, I think I've been a dark horse my whole life. And um, I come from very humble beginnings. My parents were business owners and my mum was a hairdresser. She tried very hard to scale a salon with very little success. And my old man was a bit of a dreamer. He uh, tried his hand at every single business that you could possibly imagine, but never really stuck to anything long enough to see success. And they always said to me as a kid, Jackson, if you want to be successful in this world, you need to work hard for it. And this was coming from people who work 16 hour days for as long as I could possibly remember. Hmm. But I realized pretty early on that there was something missing from what they were telling me. Because if what they told me was true, they should have been squillionaires. But the reality yeah. was that they worked very, very hard for every single dollar they earned. And I realized that something was missing. And that something that was missing was that they were working for their money as opposed to their money working for them. Hmm. Now, my old man was my first mentor. He taught me some really valuable lessons. He was a bit of a, a philosopher. He was very well read, but he was very much a, a do what I say, not what I do kind of character. Right. And as a kid, he decided to work night shift so he could be there for me in the morning to get me ready for school, to take me there and then pick me up in the afternoon only to rinse and repeat again. And we were too poor to own a car. So he had a bicycle and he fabricated a small seat on the back of this bicycle that I would sit on and cling to his back as he pedaled to and from each day. And I remember as a kid, I never saw ourselves as being poor because what we lacked in money, we had in, in rich experiences. Mm -hmm. And I remember fondly every single day going to, to school, there was a hill that we needed to tackle on the bicycle. And I remember my dad tackled this hill with the same strategy each and every single day. And he would repeat the same four words religiously as he slowly ascended this hill. No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. This is a metaphor for his life. Mm -hmm. He decided that he was going to work his ass off for 40 years, retire at 65, and then enjoy 20 if he was lucky. It was this traditional kind of retirement trap that most people are sold into and very few ever realize. But that was his choice. And I just wasn't motivated by it. Mm. But up to him. We fast forward to 2017. <clears throat> And my old man was 66, one year after this traditional retirement age that he was supposed to be living the dream, but this time was different. Now, he was diagnosed with late-stage pancreatic cancer. Oof. He was lying in a hospital bed clinging to life. He was given weeks to live. Mm. Harsh reality of life. And as he lay there on his deathbed, he regretted a lot of things, and he gave me one last piece of advice. And he said, Jackson, every person in this world has two lives. And your second life starts when you realize that you only have one. And he passed away shortly thereafter. Now, that was when my second life started. I've scaled multi-seven-figure businesses. I've helped many of my clients do the same. But just before we hit the record button, we we're talking around so many business owners, where even when they achieve success, they don't give themselves permission to enjoy it. Right. They end up in these vicious cycles they end up hitting these invisible ceilings. They end up working within the constraints that they place upon themselves. When we get into business, because we want freedom and flexibility, but how many business owners do you know are truly free and live yeah. lives of complete flexibility? Very few. Yeah. They're all slave to their so own business, mission right? For the past 14 years. Exactly. And it's, it's been my mission for the last 14 years to help crack the code, to help business owners use their business to manufacture financial freedom 
but also t- create time freedom because there are only two tradable commodities in this world. There's time and there's money. Mm. And we're so used to trading our, our time for our money, but we need to realize that sometimes we've got to buy back our time once we've yes. got the money to be able to invest. Right. And this is what I'm doing. I'm spending a year traveling around Australia, showing people how it's done. Nice. And there it is. And that's, that's what I was just telling him before he said we hit that record button. He was sharing that. And I'm like, man, you're doing, you're living the dream, but you're also proving to all those out there that it's possible, right? Yeah, exactly. And look, I think this is the, one of the biggest things my old man taught me is he said, Jackson, anything that you can perceive, you can conceive. And I think the biggest thing here is we're, we're entrepreneurs for a reason because we dream big. Yes. But we need to dream big for our lives as we do for our business. And this is something that I'm always trying to find that balance. And, and, and I credited a motto many years ago of live for today and plan for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. How do we have balance between having an amazing lifestyle, but also making sure that we're preparing for the future at the same time? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. And I think one of the things for me, and as I was listening to you tell your story, is I think so many people have been either brought up by or brought up in an environment that serves to that work to 60, right? You get out there, yeah. find, get a good education, find a good job, get a good paycheck, save up for your retirement because that's when you get to have fun. And it's like, oh, you know, you get that one week a year on vacation, maybe two if you're really good. And you're like, is that really what it's all about? And then you have us outliers, right? That are like, no, man, I'm going to buck the odds. I'm going to start my own business. And a lot of them get trapped into their own business because they won't step away for whatever reason. Correct. And I think it's just, it comes down to conditioning, Tracy. Mm-hmm. This, the, the big thing here is that most of us haven't just jumped straight into business for ourselves once we left school. But even school conditions us to be part of the workforce. Yeah. It is a construct of, this, of, of our modern day society that conditions us to be, to be productive members of the industrial machine, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I talk about this as escaping the matrix. We need to unprogram all of these learnt behaviors that have been really pushed into us since we were four years old, five years old. And then we've gone and gone through all of our schooling life with all of this structure. Then we've gone and got a job and we've had all of this structure. And then we finally say, oh, I'm really good at something. I'm going to go out and do it for myself. Yeah. And we create, we manifest the same structure because it's what we've learned to work within. Right. We need to get comfortable being uncomfortable of escaping the matrix and then creating the freedom and flexibility and asking ourselves what we really and truly want. And it's only then we can create a proper lifestyle business. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, and I no, think it's super important. I, and I think one of the things that, and, and like you, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I think the schools as they are today, and I know in my country and perhaps, you know, in, in where your experience in yours as well, they were probably founded during the industrial age when it was Correct. very important to have that construct that you're describing that, okay, we need to learn certain things, but we need to follow the rules, right? So they were, cause they were getting out there and you were, you were entering into the industrial environment. Well, Things have changed and things have really rapidly changed in the last decade or two on top of that. Exactly. And look, I think we are starting to see a shift, Tracy. Like we're starting to see the introduction of this FIRE movement, of this financial independence, retire early, um, which I think is, is the concept of it is great. But the biggest fundamental flaw here is that all of these financial freedom frameworks are all based on the concept of scarcity. Mm-hmm. 
It is about sacrificing today for a greater tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And we see all of these individuals who are part of this fire movement who are eating cornflakes and cat food for dinner mm. and squirreling away every last red cent in order to be able to retire five years earlier or 10 years earlier. Yeah. Now, the difference here is that scarcity-based planning, or in other words, shrinking yourself wealthy, is a fallback, a fallback plan. It is based on the premise that you do not have enough means to allow you to have everything that you want. So as a result of those scarce means, you now need to choose. Am I going to live the dream now and then have to struggle or keep working later on? Or am I going to sacrifice now and I'm going to live the dream later on? And I remember as a kid, the first time I was encountered with this crossroads decision, and I'm sure this is the same in the US, is that when you leave high school, most people take two paths. They either go and take a gap year or they, and they go and like travel the world and go and kind of live their best life before they become an adult. Right. Or they get straight stuck into it. They go to university or they go and get a full-time job or they kind of commence life as an adult. Yeah. And I remember having that crossroads and I'm like, wow, I don't really like the sound of either of those. Is there any chance that I can do both? And at the time, I, I couldn't fathom how I would make that happen. But it's been a constant theme throughout my life. So as an entrepreneur, the most important thing that you need to realize is that if you want to have everything, you want to have an amazing lifestyle and you want to achieve financial freedom, all it requires is a three-dimensional plan. And what I mean by a three-dimensional plan, Tracy, is that most people are one-dimensional planners. They work towards one big milestone at a time. In my business, I want to hit my first 10K months. I want to get to six figures. I want to get to seven figures. I want to buy my house. I want to buy my next investment property. I want to invest in the share market. But what this ultimately does is we have our blinders on and we're focusing towards one thing and then something else comes up, which is often conflicting. I want to buy that house, but I also want to go to that nice cruise with my friends. Right. I want to buy my next investment property, but that new Mustang is looking really nice. (laughs) And we have to make a scarcity-based decision because you haven't had the foresight to have a three-dimensional plan that accounts for everything. And if we have a three-dimensional plan, we define all of our lifestyle and financial goals. It allows us to reverse engineer this into an income and a profit target and also a time target and allow us to create a business that allows us to achieve all of those things. Nice. See, I would have never thought about that. I'm I'm the goal-setting guru around here. It's like, here are my goals. And, you know, having multiple goals is fine, but there's only so much time you can dedicate towards each one. But having them in sync with one another, very important. So it sounds like basically the same plan. Yeah, I'm looking towards the long term, I'm, but I'm engineering everything so they, they, in, they cohesively move you towards that, that ultimate goal. Does that, does that sound about exactly. right? Exactly. Nailed it. Exactly. And because it's one of these things that we, we all want this, this idea of having our cake and eating it too. Mm. Why can't we have it? And I've always been the type of person that's asked, what if the opposite were true? Um, And I think that's led me to coming up with a lot of these principles that have allowed us to help our clients create huge success and then for ourselves to create a lot of success as well is because we've always challenged the status quo of what's been taught. Um, The status quo is squirrel away every last red cent, live a modest lifestyle, Mm -hmm. go without, be responsible, don't be silly, and then everything else will work out. 
And it comes back to this kind of this this principle called the marshmallow experiment. And um, have you heard of the marshmallow experiment before, Tracy? I have not. Yeah, please tell me. Okay. So I wrote about this in my first book, and um, I was interested in understanding the deference of gratification because it was something that I always struggled with. Mm-hmm. I remember as a kid, my old man said to me, Jackson, you need to save at least 20% of everything that you earn right. and put it away for a rainy day. And I remember taking it really literally, like looking outside, looking out the window, and I go, Dad, like it's, it's sunny outside. It's the middle of summer. It's like beautiful. It's all right. And I, I could never grasp that concept. And when I was writing my first book, I went searching, and I found that there was a study that was done by Stanford University. And they wanted to understand when, how early did deference of gratification actually come into play. So they got four- and five-year-old kids. They put them in a room with no stimulation, and they gave them a marshmallow. I said, Tracy, here's a marshmallow. I'm going to leave the room, and if you want to eat it, that's fine. But when I come back, if you haven't eaten the marshmallow, I'm going to give you a second marshmallow. They didn't tell the kids how long, and they left for 15 minutes. Now, imagine a kid sitting there. Yeah, that's like a long Four time. or five-year-old Tracy with a marshmallow, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> and what they worked out is that two out of three of the kids ate the marshmallow within the 15 minutes. Some at one minute, some at five minutes, some at 14 minutes in 50 seconds. But two out of three would eat the marshmallow. Okay. One out of three could use the power of visualization to see the value of waiting, mm-hmm. could endure the pain and the sacrifice of not eating the marshmallow for the yield of doubling what they had. Now, for me personally, I would have eaten the marshmallow before the person stopped talking. It's gone. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but And for so long, I was trying to measure my success by this traditional yardstick of sacrifice today for a greater tomorrow. Now, I'm not motivated by an extra marshmallow, but maybe I was motivated by four marshmallows. Yeah. Or was there a way that I could eat half the marshmallow now and still get two at the end, right? I was so actually about- thinking, I was thinking if there was a way to negotiate with the person sitting next to me, you eat half <laughs> yours, I eat the other half. And when I get my other marshmallow, I'll give you the half I ate. Perfect. There we go. <laughs> and this is this entrepreneurial spirit, right? Yeah. Because the aim here is that we, as a function of being an entrepreneur, we challenge the status quo. Right. So this is about putting yourself in that same scenario and asking yourself, where do I fail? And how do I then change the rules to suit myself? And this is how I've gone through and scaled multi-seven-figure businesses and been able to help many of my clients do the same is that we change the rules to suit them. Play to win. Nice. Now, a part of the changing of the rules, is it, does it start with maybe a mindset shift that goes on? I know so many people, they come, and I've seen them cover the gamut. You see people that come from nothing just mm. blow up. And then you've seen people who have it all just tank. Is it, is it yeah. something going on inside their head? There is, yes. Now, there's, there's no surprise that some of the most successful entrepreneurs in the world have come from nothing. Mm-hmm. And this comes from a behavioral principle that there are only two motivating factors in this world, Tracy. There's moving away from pain and there's moving towards pleasure. Right. The most powerful motivator is moving away from pain because it's current. It is immediate relief. Mm-hmm. It's like imagine you've got a, a splinter in your finger. And it's pain. It's so much pain. It's, it's causing you so much discomfort. And as soon as you pull the tweezers, grab the tweezers and pull, pull out that splinter, ah, yeah. relief immediately. And this is what motivates most of these struggling entrepreneurs who've come from hardship is that they have this, this deep 
connection to never being in that discomfort ever again. Mm -hmm. And that is their motivating force. But that could be a double-edged sword. I know it has been for me. Mm -hmm. You're now listening to To the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. uh, Have you ever ridden a motorcycle, Tracy? Oh, yeah. Perfect. So when we're riding a motorcycle, if anybody's listening, if you're riding a bicycle and you're turning a corner, you look into where you're turning. Yeah. If there's a tree and you look at the tree, you're going to end up in the tree. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's this principle where I don't want to become my parents. I don't want to get back in this situation. It is the, we don't, our mind doesn't register. I don't. All it registers is the thing. Like if yeah. I say to you, Tracy, don't think of an elephant. There's an elephant. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same thing. We can sometimes be so focused on what we don't want to be that we end up becoming and ending back in that situation, this vicious cycle of hardship. That's, so the, that, I'm sorry. That's like identifying. So I'll, I'll use the, the example of I used to smoke. And yeah. there was a time where it was like, okay, I, I wanted to quit smoking, but I kept thinking, yeah, I, I, you know, no. Someone would say, hey, do you have any cigarettes? You'd say, no, I'm not a smoker. Well, like you said, that negative is there. That negative gets ignored and says, I'm a smoker. Yeah. But the minute that my, actually my two, she was four at the time, three or four, she came out of my bedroom imitating dad. Look, I'm daddy, right? Pretending she was smoking one of my cigarettes. That's when I said, that's it. I'm not smoking anymore. Literally put them away. Never had one after that. And the next time someone said, do you have a cigarette? I said, no, I'm a non-smoker. My mm-hmm. identity had changed. And yeah. it, it sounds a bit like what you're describing there, right? It's like exactly. I identify as a poor person or I identify as a rich person that's still reaching for his money or something. 100%. Nails it. So it's about changing the way that we do this because I can, the key thing here, Tracy, is that we never make bad decisions on purpose as human beings. Mm-hmm. We make the best decision on life's menu. Now, let's give you an example. What's one food that you hate more than anything? Oh, food I hate more than anything. Peanut butter, believe it or not. (laughs) Okay. Fantastic. All right. So let's assume that we went to a cafe for breakfast and you look on the menu and you see peanut butter. Under what circumstances are you ordering two serves of that? Yeah, I have to be really hungry and no other <laughs> and no other options. Hundred <laughs> percent. So it's only that you might go to the, the cafe you, and you see like the, the waitress or the waiter comes out and says, "Hey, Tracy, we've got these things on the specials menu. Do you want to give that a shot?" And you go, "Oh, actually, I'll give that a shot. Yeah, that sounds great." Mm-hmm. And then you get it, and then you eat it, and you go, "Oh, this is pretty average." It's only in hindsight that you realize it's a bad decision. You never make a bad decision on purpose. Okay. So makes sense. we. We can't take options. This is not about removing bad options. This is about putting better options on the menu. So if you're not happy with the way that you're showing up in your business, if you are not happy with the profits that you're making in your business, if you're not happy with the free time that you have from your business or the wealth that you are creating, this is not about not making bad decisions. This is about adding better decisions to life's menu. If you Mm. improve the quality of your decisions, you will improve the quality of the outcomes. Okay, so that that instantly begs the question from coming from my head is, how do I start enhancing my menu? Yeah, we firstly need to have a reflection loop in place because the problem is most of us as entrepreneurs, we end up in this vicious cycle because we don't put our head up for air. We're so busy working. We're so busy being busy of just keeping ourselves occupied 
that we actually don't stop and reflect on the decisions that we made, what was positive, what was negative, and what we could do better for next time. Nice. So what we need to do is we need to implement a weekly reflection loop that we call a Friday self-assessment. In my second book, Secrets to Scaling a Seven-Figure Lifestyle Business, I teach a strategy that I've been using in my businesses for the better part of the last decade that's allowed me to achieve amazing levels of success. And it's basically a five-minute quiz that you complete if you're a solopreneur or if you've got a team, you get every single person in your team to complete. And it's just a short quiz that everyone completes on a Friday that takes them five minutes that's a pulse check. You complete it. You go on your weekend and you enjoy some downtime and you come back on a Monday and you review the answers for both yourself and your team members Mm -hmm. and you action and acknowledge the feedback. Now, in our current business, over the last three years, we've got over 2,000 individual pieces of feedback across our entire team. Imagine having 2,000 pieces of feedback to help you make better business decisions. Yeah, that's a lot of data. It's a lot of data yeah, and it makes a tremendous difference. And we've implemented this in solopreneur businesses that are just getting started less than 10K up to nine figure businesses. And the results are immense because most people just don't stop and reflect on their own thoughts and their own actions and the impacts of those actions. But more importantly, the actions or inactions of their team. Nice. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right there. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that, of, of pausing to do that pulse check. Uh, and for me, Friday's the perfect day. The The only thing I heard in there that uh, made me want to ask a question was, okay, so you write the answers down on Friday, but you, you're you waiting till Monday to do the review. Now, in, yes. a, in the case of a solopreneur, why would you wait till Monday to re-review that? The big part there is that we, we we're normally showing up in a certain way when you're doing that, that feedback on a Friday. Okay. You are not in the headspace for you to be able to review that, those answers and that information on that day. I always like to have a couple of days of rest where you yeah, come yeah. back with that new, that new fresh outlook on your week and then you review it and you go, okay, what headspace was I in on Friday when I answered these? And even myself, I sometimes answer it and I'm frustrated and I'm swearing in there yeah. and I'm carrying on. <laughs> sometimes yeah. I'm, I'm over, the, over the moon. It's just what business is like. And I'm like, okay. Why was I thinking that way and how can I influence that, that state that I was in on Friday by making better decisions this week? No, that makes perfect sense. Inside of that, uh, that weekly assessment, well, outside of that weekly assessment, do you encourage a monthly, quarterly, uh, additional levels of that as well? Yeah. We break this down into essentially five stages. And uh, ultimately, this is about creating what we call a seven-figure lifestyle business. Mm-hmm. The first stage is vision. We should always have at least a three-year vision, which we write in an open letter of what you want your business to look like in three years' time. And that always starts with, it is three years' time, it is the year 2024, and my business is now. And then we kind of go through and and essentially explain ourselves in the present tense of what our business is going to be in three years' time. We write this open letter and we should share this with our team because most people are want to be paid fairly, but they want to be involved in an organization that has a vision that they believe in. Agreed. This will create deep accountability in your team. Next thing, we then need to create a one-year mission. So how do we take the on-track plan towards that three-year vision and turn it into a tangible game plan that you and your team can execute upon over the course of the next 12 months? So your budget and your forecasting, 
your KPIs you need to hit, the key projects, the things that you need to work on in the business to get the results that you want. Mm -hmm. Then we break that down into 90-day sprints. How do we take bite-sized chunks in 90-day sprints to keep us on track for achieving that one-year game plan? Mm -hmm. Then we set KPIs and metrics across the whole team. So everyone knows what position they're playing on on the team. How did they, what, what are they measured by? Are they, the, are they the, the striker and they're trying to score the goals? Or are they the, the defenders and they're trying to, to make sure that the other team doesn't score? Right on. And how do they get remunerated to celebrate their success? And then the last stage is the Friday self-assessment, the pulse check. Nice. Nice. You and I are like this on this, man. I'm sitting there. Uh, I will have to send you separately a, a goal setting process that I wrote. Oh my gosh, I'm going to date myself here. Probably back in 99, 98. And it, it starts with what I called the Vista vision. If you're awesome. looking forward and you're sitting up on a Vista and you're looking down over your life, what do you see? Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you, I'm, I'm a big fan of not looking too far out. You know, I, I've heard folks and I've worked for corporations where they're like, we have a 20 year vision of this and a 10 year vision of that. And I'm like, I can't think that far. I mean, it, that's great. I get it. But when I'm go, when I'm getting into the grunt work and I'm doing the day to day, 20 yeah. years, who cares? I, I need, I need now. I need a year. I need 90 days. And this, you and I are like spot on and all. This is fire right here. Awesome. I agree with you completely, Tracy, and, and I love this. because And not enough business owners do this. because uh, You're right, because business changes so rapidly, even your three-year vision is going to fundamentally change. Oh, yeah. Um, but it just gives us that North Star that we can chase and all rally behind. Um, where we do shift this up, though, is when it comes to personal planning. Mm-hmm. And I do believe, back on the kind of the, the marshmallow experiment, that as human beings, we need to think really long-term for our own personal goals to make sure we have that three-dimensional plan. And we take our clients through an exercise that is a 20-year plan. Mm. And the reason for this is that we map out all of their lifestyle and financial goals over 20 years because I've, I'm yet to meet a person who at some point over that time frame is not extremely in, and intrinsically motivated by achieving their lifestyle and financial goals over either the short, medium, and long-term. Sure. There's some point along that time frame where there's going to be one big milestone goal that really lights you up. And that is what we hang everything off. That is the motivation. That's the rocket fuel. Sure. And for me, it was this, this, this trip traveling around Australia. And I'm, I know that there's going to be a next thing after I finish this. Now, the next one I want to do is I want to do, uh, I want to do the, US, the US. I want to get an expedition vehicle, come to the US and do the same thing. So it's about having these things that are really big motivators that you can then use your business to manufacture. To manufacture, yeah, yeah. What what are you doing everything for? What is that um, a legacy? Yes. Yeah, what is that legacy you want to leave behind? Maybe it's memories, right? It's, hey, I did this awesome trip. I did amazing things. I want to leave something behind for my kids. Whatever it is that's pushing you forward, man. I'll, I'll You and... I'm I'm definitely going to have to bring you back on so that we can touch. There's so much in here that we're not going to be able to cover it all. But uh, this is fire. This is fire. So I want to I want to totally do a left turn right here. So Let's you're out there doing this cruise. I'll call it a cruise, right? Yeah. Uh, a drive about uh, uh, Australia. Yeah. Now yeah. Uh, you're native of Australia, correct? 
I am, yes. So is this your first, I'm just going to go out and see everything? Yeah. Back on the previous point of this whole idea of legacy, when I saw my old man deep with regret, mm-hmm. and look, he, he lived a rich life and he had lots of great experiences, but there were a lot of things that he regretted. And when I put myself in his shoes, I never wanted to be lying in a hospital bed, clinging to life and regretting the things that I didn't do. Mm -hmm. It was famously said by Michael Jordan, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. Amen. And I said, okay, I want to be the person who is known by not by the, 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 the significance of my dreams, but the depths of my achievements. And... I've always been the person that would at the dark horse that commits myself to yeah. something and that gets shit done. And I set lofty goals. Like it, I said, it was only 12 months that we planned this trip and it was about unwinding myself from the business, the data mm-hmm. operations, making sure that we could reduce the key person risk, making sure the business can continue to thrive in my absence mm-hmm. and fitting out an expedition vehicle, and also, like my, my girlfriend is a career coach. We've got two dogs with us, um, planning out all of these things. There were so many moving parts, but we made it happen. And it was just that we wanted to be able to show people what the possibilities are when you put your mind to something. The biggest limiting factor in your life and your business will always be you. Phew. And I think there's a life lesson right there. If you heard nothing else from Jackson's uh, little time with us today, that right there is you are your biggest limiting factor. I mean, I'm sure it probably took you, I want to say not a world of effort, but certainly a lot of uh, personal reflection to unwind yourself from the business, let alone alone planning uh, an adventure like you're going on, right? Yeah, like I, I consider myself a, a deeply goals-oriented person, but I remember on many occasions, and it typically when my head hit the pillow at night time, having these moments of like complete panic. Mm. And I'm like, oh shit, Jackson! Like, what happens if the business goes broke? And right. like every like there's, there's 27 people are going to be without a job, and you're going to lose everything. You're going to have to start again. Like, no one does this. You're crazy. And this brings me back to an interview that I saw with Bill Gates. Um, and I, for a very long time, I struggled with this little voice in my head of self-doubt. And most, most, I didn't realize that everyone else did. And there was a reporter who was interviewing Bill Gates. And they said, Bill, have you ever struggled with self-limiting beliefs? And he said, every single day. And they go, wait, so you're telling me that there's this little voice in your head that tells you that you're not worthy and that you're a fraud and that you're a failure. And he said, yes, every single day of my life, I have this little voice in my head that tells me that the gig's going to be up and that I'm going to lose everything, and that I'm not worth it, and that I'm unworthy. And I've made it my life's mission to go on in spite of it. And it is going on in spite of that voice that is the catalyst for all of my success. And I go, aha, I get it. I'm not alone anymore. That little voice in my head is just a defense mechanism that's trying to keep me inside the matrix. Just trying to keep you safe, right? Exactly. It's funny. And uh, there was a song, and and I keep mentioning, I don't have to get the name of it. There's a song out there that says, I will not let anybody else speak to me the way I speak to myself. Yeah. Uh, There's a lesson there somewhere. I just know it, right? Okay. Oh, man. So, you know, you've mentioned that you resonate with the dark horse. You kind of sp- identify with that dark horse feeling. How, how do you overcome that dark horse mentality to succeed? Yeah, I think th- back to that previous point of moving away from pain 
Mm-hmm. That is the epitome of a dark horse. You're you're in you're you're behind in the race. You're coming last, and yeah. then you 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 rustle up the strength and the determination to push on in spite of the adversity that surrounds you. There it is. But we've got to realise that as a human being, we often find ourselves in a position of homeostasis where we try and find balance. Mm. And in your mindset, these situations that you learn to survive can ultimately result in your survival being dependent on those situations. And what can happen is that this can be a vicious cycle of you constantly ending back in hardship or ending up in an abusive relationships mm-hmm. or ending up in uh, being reliant on substance abuse or all of these things to, to be able to function. This becomes a vicious cycle. So it is important that you reflect, you identify these situations that you have learned to survive and make sure that you unprogram that your survival is dependent on that situation. And then we should be moving towards a position of moving towards pleasure as opposed to constantly moving away from pain. Oh, man. Man, you're just sitting here dropping bomb after bomb on everybody here, Jackson. This is awesome. So I noticed down here when you, uh, I, you know, we've we've tried to have this uh, this interview about three times, everybody. Just yep. so you, just so you know, <laughs> diaries didn't match up, calendars went haywire. Anyway, life happens. You That's you it. mentioned early on that you had an offer you wanted to share with everybody. Yeah, so we've developed a really great resource that will help you get clear on how you and your business are positioned to manufacture financial freedom, and it's a performance scorecard that has forty points that takes you through exactly how you're tracking and the areas that you can improve. Now, the scary thing, Tracy, is that the average score across doing this with thousands of entrepreneurs is 18 out of 40, which means the average entrepreneur is below average in their trajectory to create financial freedom. So what is important is not your score. Do the quiz. It'll take you five minutes, but it's about looking at the answers that you say that are no's and working out what you can turn into a yes. And what we Mm. found in our experience is that most people can add 10 to their score in 30 days or less. Nice. It's low-hanging fruit that they haven't even considered. So there'll be a link in the show notes. Um, it's bit.ly forward slash Aureus scorecard. There'll be a link. Do the scorecard. Now, make sure that you uh, you get your score. And if you want to have a conversation around how we can help you improve your profits, increase your cash flow, and build more personal wealth using your business, we work with uh, hundreds of business owners around the world to help them better understand the language of money and get on the right path for creating financial freedom by their own definition. So I'd love to support. Absolutely. And we'll be sure to get all those uh, those links in the show notes as well as the links to your website and right. all that good stuff. So if people want to learn more about Jackson and improving their wealth, who doesn't want to learn about that, right? They can reach right out to you. Jackson, man, I'm glad we finally got to get together and have this chat. I definitely want to reach back out to you maybe four, six months, see how your trip went. We can catch up and see what new things you have on the horizon. I'd love to, mate. Anytime. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. Take care. All right. There you have it, my dark horse friends and family. Jackson Milan dropping some Australian bombs on us. Wisdom bombs, right? What thoughts did you come away with? Here are a few that uh, that kind of resonated with me. Thought number one, working hard alone will not cut it. Jackson shared that story of his hardworking father, actually his parents. And if... Working hard would have been the true measure of success. His parents would have been like kajillionaires, right? Maybe, actually, I believe he said another word, but I can't remember what it was. Either way, the facts are true that if you work hard and smart, 
right? It just doesn't work just like that. Working hard will only get you so far. Working smart will get you so far. But wow, eh? what if we combine the two, right? The amazing things that could start to happen. I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into this on Wednesday in episode 211. Should I work hard or should I work smart? Thought number two, you got two lives, don't you? And Jackson tells us the story of his hardworking father on his deathbed sharing a piece of wisdom. And he said, every person in this world has two lives. And the second life starts when you realize you only have one. This is one of those age old pieces of wisdom that so many ignored. On Tuesday in the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Facebook group, I'm going to go live and chat more about this and the first step of living life by design. Thought number three, anything you can perceive, you can achieve. Again, Jackson's father nearly echoes the wisdom of Napoleon Hill here. Whatever you can perceive and believe, you can achieve. Look, I honestly do not believe that our creator, whomever you believe it to be, gave me, you, Jackson, Jackson's father, or anyone else the ability to perceive something that we could not, with a little or a lot of work, be brought into our reality. So I'm going to dive into this on Thursday in the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Facebook group and chat more about this. Thought number four, get comfortable being uncomfortable to escape the matrix. Jackson reminds us that our educational system tends to be a bit more focused on creating cogs for the industrial machine. I mean, that's when it started, right? So even when we as entrepreneurs strike out on our own, the pattern of our thinking tends to be repeating that same instrument in our own ventures, that we need to get comfortable being uncomfortable so that we can forge new and better ways and thus escape the matrix. I'm going to dig into this a bit more on Friday in episode 212, Entrepreneurship to Escape the Industrial Matrix Machine. And then thought number five, the FIRE movement. Jackson checks about the financial independence retire early movement. I personally never heard it phrased like this, but I love it, right? It, it also true, I also truly like Jackson's point of view of that, uh, Shrinking yourself wealthy should be your plan, should not be your plan A, but it should be your fallback plan. I mean, why do you want to shrink now so that you can live better, right? And on, you know, in that same tone, right? Why do you want to live poorer later so that you can live well now? I mean, Jackson even poses the question, why can't we do both? Why can't you live nat well now as well as later? But to do this, you have to take, um, you have to step out of one dimensional planning into three dimensional planning, which he shared some great examples there. Uh, and then thought number six, goal setting and the feedback loop. Yeah, you knew I was going to go here. Jackson shared an excellent process that he uses with his team and his clients to build not only their goal setting plans, but creating a feedback loop process that keeps that engine firing on all eight cylinders, pushing everyone involved forward faster. Now, if you've listened to me for any length of time, you know I'm huge on goal setting 
and that feedback loop. Uh, you can check out episode 176, the R chart method for goal setting, episodes 168 and 69, which are parts one and two of that goal achieving milieu check, episode 171, uh, each excuse me, reach your goals quicker with productivity shifts. And finally, we go way back to episode 18, Goal Setting 101. Now, here's the real question. What inspiring tips or ideas resonated with you from Jackson's time with us today? Hmm? Whatever they were, I want you to, you really, you know what? It doesn't matter what I want. You should write them down and then get out there and put them into action. Yeah, go out there. Run your race, get your results, and then come back and let me hear about them. Seriously, email me at tracy at darkhorseschooling.com. Share the tips or ideas that you came away with, how you put them into action, and what results you gained from them. Heck, probably even bring you on the show and let you share your story. Speaking of sharing next stories, we got our next interview episode guest is going to be Artie Hoffman. Now, Artie's a master level psychic and comedian. Yeah, I said that right. Comedian, as well as a spiritual advisor. Something he's been doing for over three decades now. And he has helped change the lives of thousands of individuals who've turned to him for answers and guidance. It's in his strong faith and his natural intuitiveness, coupled with his ability to provide emotional understanding that makes him the preeminent spiritual therapist. I promise you, you're going to want to here and you're going to enjoy every word of this uh, episode in this conversation but before you go you looking for some help with your podcast hmm? thinking about starting one right or you already have one you want some help with the editing and the promotion right if you are or maybe you're looking to monetizing it right there's like 80 ways to do that uh reach out to me give me a shoot me an email at tracy at dark horse schooling or you can go to darkhorseschooling.com forward slash coaching Let's chat. Fill out the form there. I'll make sure you come away with an action plan, right? I'm not selling you anything right out of the gate. Let's sit together, chat for a few minutes. I'll walk you through the steps and you will come away with an action plan. Again, that's darkhorseschooling.com forward slash coaching. Let's see how I can be of service to you in helping you start, restart, or kickstart your business and your podcast. Now, I know you want to keep getting all these valuable tips and the amazing stories from the guests I'm lucky enough to bring on on this podcast. So please, Go on down there, hit that subscribe button. Why are you there? Yeah, that's right. Go ahead, drop us a five-star rating. Write us some kind words in the reviews. Heck, ask questions, leave comments, commentary, suggestions. I read every single one of the reviews. And please do not keep all this entrepreneurial G-O-L-D all to yourself. Share this podcast with other entrepreneurs and business owners that you know will get value from it. And with that, I'm going to leave you as I always do. Think successfully and take action. Thank you for listening to the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.